Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor of Fintech Futures, and for this special episode of the show, we're going to change things up slightly and shine the spotlight on our upcoming Banking Tech Awards USA ceremony, which is due to take place this year on the 1st of June in New York. If you're not already aware, Fintech Futures has been hosting the Banking Tech Awards in London for the past 23 years. Given our growing audience in the USA, we decided to launch a US and North America specific version of the awards for the first time last year. The US is home to many of the world's top financial services firms and a rapidly expanding financial technology market. And these awards were developed to celebrate the sector and the outstanding achievements and successes of the country's best and brightest. Last year's inaugural Banking Tech Awards USA was held in San Francisco and saw 150 guests from the banking and fintech sector join us for a night of entertainment and celebration. And given the success of that ceremony, we're back again for 2023, this year at the spectacular 583 Park Avenue in New York. The event will be hosted by award-winning broadcaster and comedian Maureen Langan, and we'll start with a sparkling wine reception, followed by a three-course meal, the award ceremony itself, and of course, some evening entertainment, providing the perfect opportunity to come together, celebrate achievements, and network with the best in the industry. We're now just about a month away, but we still do have some spaces available, so if you are interested in attending, you've still got time to book, and I'll be sure to leave a link in the description below with more information on how to do so. I'll also leave a link so you can view all of the finalists for the different awards categories as well. A sample of some of the awards to be handed out on the night include Best Digital Initiative, Best Bank and Fintech Partnership, Best Core Banking System, Fintech of the Future, plus many more. And in case that's not enough, we've also got our Paytech Awards USA coming for the first time in July this year as well to celebrate the most revolutionary and impactful payment technology companies and individuals in the United States. I'll leave another link in the description for more information about that. And the nominations for those awards are still open until early June as well. So be sure to get those in if you're interested in being considered for an award. As always, our awards are judged by a panel of independent experts who evaluate each entry based on its impact, innovation and user experience. And for this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by one of our Banking Tech Awards USA judges to chat more about the upcoming event, as well as share some thoughts on the current banking landscape in the US, given what has been an eventful start to the year. So without further ado, today I'm joined by Keith Costello, co-founder, president and CEO of Florida's Locality Bank. So Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Excellent. It's great to have you here. Just to get started, we'd like to quickly let us know a bit about more about yourself then and Locality Bank. Sure. Basically, I've had a few banks here in Florida. Started a community bank here in 2009, which we sold and had a brief non-compete and was the CEO of another bank, also located in Florida and exited that one in 2018. And I had a non-compete for a couple of years after that. And during that time, COVID was occurring here. And so it was kind of a good time to be on the sidelines, but we had something called the P program, which was basically designed to help small businesses, local companies to get through this tough, difficult time where businesses were having to be shut down. And during that time, what I noticed was that there was a, I was getting a lot of calls from my previous clients that had now worked at other banks and were unable to get financial services, were unable to become part of the program. So as a result of that, I looked at the environment here in South Florida, which is where we're located in Fort Lauderdale, which for those of you not familiar with where Fort Lauderdale is about 30 miles north of Miami, South Florida, in the county of where Fort Lauderdale is located. It's, there's 2 million population, approximately $80 billion of bank deposits 
there is a GDP of about $120 billion. So you have a county here in South Florida, the size of a small country. It's really a, an economic powerhouse. And I looked at, and there used to be like 15 banks headquartered here just five years ago. I looked at 2020 and there were only three banks that were headquartered in Broward County and they were small. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the reason we've lost all of our local banks. They've all been acquired because they were successful. And so because this is such a dynamic region, every bank in the United States wants to be in South Florida. So if a bank's doing well, they pretty, and they want to sell, there's a ready market of buyers. So what we did is we went back to the business community here and we said, hey, we think that another bank is needed here in Broward County. Will you back it? Will you invest? And we raised, we ended up raising 40 million back in 2021. We opened the bank January of 2022. And uh, we were about a year and a half in and have had a lot of success. And we're really happy with the way things are going. We did it a little different, which I'll briefly talk about. I mean, we didn't want to do a traditional, another traditional community bank the way we had done previously. We wanted this time to do technology-oriented community bank. And what do I mean by that? So we looked at what happened during PPP. The people who were successful during PPP were not the large banks. The large banks really were the, I don't want to say villains, but they were. They didn't, they weren't able to handle the local companies and the smaller businesses that needed money. So they took care of the larger companies, which is natural because that's where they make the most money. So a lot of local companies were left behind. So the community banks worked tirelessly 24-7, round the clock to help. So the community banks were heroes, but who else were heroes? The fintechs. The fintechs did the large volume of the loans because they had great technology. Community banks generally have terrible technology. So light bulb, right? We're like, hey, let's take both of these things and put them together. You've really got this orientation of community bankers that love what they're doing. They love their local communities. They want to help local businesses, but they've got terrible technology. Let's create a community bank that has, that's digital first, that has really great technology. So we recruited actually Corey LeBlanc, who is our, you know, he's a co-founder. He's our chief technology officer, chief operations officer. He's also up for an award, by the way. <laughs> so nice. we recruited him because we never had somebody like that. Community banks don't usually attract that kind of talent. So the way we attracted Corey was, hey, we want to do something totally different. You got a blank slate. We can create something really unique and special. And so that was our kind of premise for how we got going. And I know that was a lot to throw at you right off the bat, but that's the story. Yeah, no worries. I mean, it's a really interesting story that you've got there. And you've mentioned how important the fintechs were in the community banking side as well. So we'll try and get into that a bit more later in the show. Just starting with the Banking Tech Awards USA, just around the corner now, as mentioned, is this your first time judging an awards like this? And, and how have you found the experience so far? So it is the first time that I've been involved in any technology awards. So to be honest, I'm a relatively new to bank technology, kind of an old school guy who came up the traditional bank way. But really, I took a lot of time after we sold that bank in 2018. I was like, hey, the world's changing faster than ever. Technology is now, there were a lot of guys like me. I'm in my mid-60s. There's a lot of guys like me who are CEOs of banks who don't want to 
face reality, which is things are changing. So they're retiring or they're delaying really doing what has to be done, right? Which is totally change your playbook and embrace technology. So for me, this is exciting. I've been to a lot of conferences. I've met a lot of people in technology, but it's really occurred over like the last four or five years. So for me to do something like this and really be involved in an awards is very exciting. And to meet a lot of other people who are doing the same thing, it's a great experience. How important then would you say that events like this are to really shine a light on some of the great work and innovations that are happening in the industry at the moment? No, I think they're critical. I mean, for people, especially like like myself, who have been traditional bankers, I think they're essential to get up to speed, to learn, to meet the players, to meet people. Because really, what is this really about? For community banks, smaller banks, right? we're not Chase. I look at the other nominees. I mean, we're up against Chase and Wells Fargo. And you know, these are huge organizations. They spend more on technology than we'll ever have in assets. So it's a huge differentiator. So how do we attract talent? And I think that's one of the problems that the smaller banks face, right? So the only way you can attract talent is really by creating a huge mission, right? You've got to create something exciting that you're doing because if you're a technology person, the last place, it's hard for Chase to attract people because most really good technology people, banking is like something they would never consider. It's very risk averse. It's almost the antithesis of what most tech people are oriented towards. They like you know innovation and the ability to change and break things and disrupt. And that's the opposite of what most traditional banks are. So I think the biggest thing that community banks face, I think in terms of a challenge is not so much that they can't buy technology. I mean, you can go out and you can buy technology, but how do you create that exciting, dynamic workplace that you're going to be able to recruit a guy like Corey LeBlanc to come in and get excited about what you're doing. Yeah. And I guess another one of these big benefits from these events is as well as getting banking and fintech professionals from across the country together in one room to network and share ideas. So obviously you're, you're based in Florida. We've hopefully got some banks coming in from San Francisco as well. You've mentioned there we've got a whole bunch of some of the US wide banks as well who are nominated for awards and will hopefully be attending as well. How important then and useful is it for you guys to speak with banks of all sizes from different areas of the country about your respective strategies and how you're overcoming challenges? I think that's, it's critical. I think you find people in the industry, by and large, I think the people who are really making progress and are doing things that are innovative are, for the most part, willing to share, collaborate, talk about what they're doing. And so these type of events are great for that because you do meet a lot of people and you meet a lot of very interesting people and, and there are opportunities too to, to partner or to, especially if I know with the fintechs, maybe you can partner with another bank, you know, and meeting some of these technology companies, there's huge opportunities to meet very innovative companies where there may be opportunities for us to partner and do things in the future. Excellent. So, I mean, looking at the start of the year that we've had then, 2023, big high profile collapse of SVB and signature banks sending shockwaves for the sector. What is your take on the on these recent events and the current state of the banking industry at the moment? Yeah, it's very, it's been very interesting. I think throughout I've been 30 plus year career in banking. And I think this all relates to just a very sharp increase in interest rates that has sent shockwaves through the entire economy, really. 
I mean, it's not just banking. These bank failures were a result of that, but you're also seeing resets in commercial real estate. You're seeing resets on M&A activity. IPOs are dead. Nobody's doing IPOs anymore. Tech funding has dried up for the most part. It hasn't dried up, but it's declined precipitously. You know, VCs are not funding things. So it's changed the dynamic of everything. And I think as it relates to banking specifically, you know, you had the failure of these two. It was the second largest bank failure in the United States history. So it was not an insignificant. That was a big bank failure. So that was caused really, and we all know now looking back at that, what caused that, the hole in the investment portfolio that was caused by the rise in rates and would not have been a problem had not deposits disappeared in really literally in a day, which shows the power of not just social media, but also digital banking. The ease with which deposits can move now it used to be people would line up outside of a bank and that would be a bank run and it would take a while. But that was incredible, the speed. So I think there are a lot of things happening now. And as I said it earlier in my comments, technology has changed things and that rate of change is increasing. And it's increasing faster and faster. So I think, and that's another benefit of these type of conferences, right? Is talk, exchange ideas, be aware of what's going on. I've heard comments, I think it was Jamie Dimon said, the thing that happened at SVB was in plain sight. That was disclosed. Everybody knew about that, but all of a sudden it became, you know, it blew up like overnight. So I think it's being aware, thinking through where is the next crisis coming from? It's not going to be what the last one was. It's not going to be housing in the United States. I mean, it's going to be something totally different. And we're seeing that right now. So, and deposits now, I think have become, they're the name of the game, right? And when you see what Apple has done, what they're doing with this 4.15% lining up with Goldman, very easy to open an account on your iPhone. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to because I want to see what they're doing. So now does that mean that 4.15% is going to be the de facto interest rate for money markets in the United States? Maybe. Maybe if you're not paying that, Apple's going to get the money. Fortunately, they're only doing up to 250000 So, But because they don't need the deposits, right? They're just about getting the money for payments. And that's where they're going. Apple's too smart to want to be a bank. They're smart enough to know they don't want anything to do with banking. But they do want to do payments. And this is a great way for them to get to pay. You know, they're like, hey, Goldman, you take the money. We don't want it. You pay the 4.15% for that money and do whatever you want with it. We'll take the payments business. So I think all of these things are going on. And then you have also Elon Musk, right? He's talking about changing Twitter to X, creating the everything app. He's got that PayPal background. So these are like, I mean... Chase and Bank of America are scary enough. Now we got Twitter and Apple and Amazon probably is not far behind, right? They're trying to figure <laughs> something out. So you've got all these really big tech companies that are getting really interested in what, how can we make money off banking services? I don't think they want to get into the banking business. So for us as a bank, it becomes more important than ever to say, okay, what problem are we trying to solve? What is our focus? Because we can't compete with Chase. We can't compete with Apple or Goldman. So we got to be very specifically focused on what is our business. And so what have we identified? We've identified helping local companies 
So that means SBA lending. That means doing portfolio loans for smaller companies, helping them with their cash management, because we're going to lend that money. We want them to be depositing their money with us and using their operating account with us. So we think that's a great business. And we also think that at this point, it's a boots on the ground type of a business where technology has advanced quite a bit, but there are lots of more op opportunities and we see both opportunities on both sides. So we see a good business for a community bank because it's going back to what I was talking about earlier about PPP. You have great technology. You're also going to have to bring those great relationships. So it's a combination if you want to really be successful of both, I think, because the fintechs were great at getting money out the door, but they're not relationship oriented. You can't, you're not going to call up somebody, go meet with them at one of these fintechs. that's all online. Now with us, you can come in and meet with somebody if you want to, if something, if things get complicated or you need to discuss and a lot of times with a business, it does. So that's our model. That's our focus really. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned obviously being locality, being a digital first bank as well, new technologies, meeting, shifting expectations of customers obviously must be front and center there. I guess, how have you approached your own digital strategy then to remain agile and compete with some of the bigger industry players? So we use for our core Nimbus. I should have nominated them actually <laughs> for the core because they have been a phenomenal partner for us. I will nominate them next year. They have been their cloud-based open API architecture. So when we went forward and we decided we wanted to do a technology forward community bank, we recognized that some of the traditional vendors were not going to give us what we really needed. And what, so what did we really need? We needed a vendor that was like us. In other words, they were disruptors. They were small enough that I can have a relationship with the CEO. I talk to the CEO and then every month we have a conference call. That would never happen at one of the big core technology providers. So things don't always go right, right? With technology or in any business. So the fact that I have the ability to interact directly with the CEO is very important to me and be able to, because there are going to be things that go wrong. And so if I can get those addressed quickly, which I can, that's a tremendous benefit. And we've also been able, unfortunately, we started off with them and we were developing, we were working on some technology together with them before we opened the bank. So during the period of time we were going through the regulatory process, we had people that were on staff that really could spend time working with them on developing because we see gaps in the technology that's available today. So our goal in the future is at some point to be able to do that again. Because once we opened the bank, it was like, well, hands on deck, we got to start making money. We got to ramp up everybody. Let's go make some loans, bring in some deposits. So we couldn't really continue that process of developing new technologies, but that's what we'd like to do in the future is, you know, you look at like a bank, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Live Oak, but they created a separate entity. It was called Canopy that basically developed you know, bank technology created in Sino, a lot of other bank technology. To me, that's exciting. I like that idea. And that's something that we would like to do as well. And there are other banks doing that too, right? That are, a lot of them are putting together money to develop new technology that could be used for the banking system. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there to continue to do that. 
that kind of leads in quite nicely to my next question. I mean, we've obviously the Banking Tech Awards got a lot of awards covering things like best use of tech in banking, best digital initiative, top innovation. What are some of the new tech developments and in general in banking that, that you're most excited about? So for us, I think what we would really like to get to is to be able to, I think, and I probably a lot of companies and financial institutions and companies in general are trying to work on this, which is really, it's about utilizing data to anticipate needs and to be able to take financial data and instead of waiting for the customer to come to you, be proactive in a using technology, right? So we try to do that with business owners now, but it's more of a, hey, you know, we're looking at your numbers and I think we could give you a loan to do this or that. To take that data, be able to do that really, you could still do it with a person, but to create that initiative, take that data and say, send it to the banker and say, hey, you want to call so-and-so because we've analyzed this data and this looks like an opportunity for him to buy a business or buy a building or buy some new equipment. And he looks like he could handle a loan of a million dollars. Yeah, so being able to do that, I think it's a big initiative for us. Also allowing more, I would say, frictionless business activities, payments. Every business has to go through paying, accepting invoicing to make that less full of friction, make that very easy for a business owner. Take all those things away, especially for small businesses, right? Because you got a small business owner, you got somebody doing 10 or 15 or 20 million a year in revenues. A lot of times that guy's not only running the business or, or girl, they're not just running the business, but they're paying the bills, they're doing their HR, they're legal, they're everything. So the more we can take off that person's plate and automate and take make that easier for them so they can focus on their business. I think that's the goal that we're working towards. Our mission, by the way, is to empower local companies to maximize their potential. So I would say all things that we can do to help local businesses to maximize their potential and execute their business mission. Excellent. We've got some awards about focusing on the fintech and bank partnerships as well. Um, it wasn't too long ago that people were really talking about competition and collaboration and which one would kind of like win out in that battle. Seems these days, really, collaboration is the key. How important would you say they, they, they are right now, I guess, in terms of in the industry, in terms of the rate of technological change that's happening at the moment? And how have you approached that partnership strategy? Obviously, we're a small bank. We just get it going. So we do try to be aware, be educated on what's going on in the industry. We do enjoy talking with a lot of different fintechs about future collaboration. We're under some restrictions because we're a de novo bank and we have a three-year plan and you can't get too far off of that business plan. So it's not like we can jump out there and do something that's outside of our already approved business plan until... 2025, I mean, really, which is not that far off, but a year and a half goes really quickly. But we are trying to, I actually go to a lot of conferences, Corey does too, and Drew, my other co-founder, so that we do meet people and we do try to keep aware of what's going on because we do want to be able to uh, establish these kind of partnerships. And we do have some already that Corey has put in place with some technology companies. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll collaborate Corey will mention it to Nimbus and say, maybe you want to bring this to all of the banks. So we do a lot of work with them. We're also involved with Alloy Labs, 
I don't know if you're familiar with that group. So Corey's very active in that group. And a lot of times he'll bring ideas into that group and say, maybe this is something we want to do together at LL Labs to be able to share with all of the banks. So that's a good way for us to be able to do these things rather than just to do them one off. And just to quickly wrap things up then, if you had a crystal ball with you now, what do you think the near term future looks like for banking in the US? I think it's interesting because I can think back throughout my entire career. I remember so many times I would hear people say, oh, committee bankings, it's dead. You know, you just can't compete with the big banks. So, I mean, I've heard that for 30 years and yet still oh, there's a lot fewer community banks, but I still think you find that there's a demand there. One of the big concerns with what happened in the United States with SBB and Signature Bank failing when Janet Yellen said she got questioned in the Senate and they said, what happens if the banks, and I think it was a senator from, I think it was Oklahoma, I can't remember the senator's name. He said, you know, what happens if my community bank in Oklahoma fails? Are you going to back the depositors there? And she, of course, was caught completely flat-footed and was like, you know, if they're systemically important, he's like, what do you, you know, they're not. So are you going to back those depositors? And so that created a big kind of like, oh my God, are we going to end up with four banks in the United States? Is everybody just put their money in the banks that are systemically important? I think that is a big concern in how we handle FDIC insurance. And I think all of these conversations are important. And I think it's very important to protect the community bank. The ability to have local banks, I think, is so critical to the DNA of the United States. I know a lot of country in Canada, I think they have five banks. It seems to work okay for them. You know, we're different than Canada. We're different than probably most countries have a really... There is a spirit of entrepreneurship in the United States. It's people come here from all over the world and still do to start businesses because of the fact that it's an easy place because of our legal system, because there's money, because a lot of things that are set up that will enable entrepreneurs to be successful. And I pray and hope that will always be the way because that has made, I think, the United States a great place to do business and has continued to make our economy strong. Because that's where the good ideas come from. If you look back 50, 100 years ago, the companies that were the biggest companies in the United States are all gone for the most part, right? There may be a few hanging out, but they're not Apple, Google, Amazon, Twitter. It's not the companies that are leading today. I think that dynamic of community banking, I just think it's very important to try to not necessarily protect it, I think, but allow an equal playing field for the community banks to be successful because we need the big banks too, right? We need Chase, we need Bank of America. They're important players in our economy, but down at, at the level we're playing, it's important too. So how do you figure that out? That could be a challenge for lawmakers and regulators. I hope they make the right decisions. Thanks again for, for speaking with me, Keith. We always close our podcast out with our now infamous fintech jail. So this is where we give you a chance to take an industry term or buzzword or trend that you've heard enough of, throw it into the jail and cast it away. Which buzzword would you like to hand a sentence to them? I'm going to throw machine learning in there now, and only because I think 
for a while. And I know somebody threw AI in there too, which mm. I mean, I was thinking, let's take AI out. And the reason people I think are throwing those words in there are just that it's kind of overused. It was like mm. everybody, that's all you heard for a while. It was like machine learning, machine learning, machine learning, AI, AI. And it became almost like meaningless yeah. to the point of, uh, but now I think actually AI is becoming to beginning to get a lot. And I think actually there's a lot to do with machine learning in the future too. Just got overused, I think. So that's why I put it in jail. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I would agree with that. I think actually with the rise of AI now, there was a period where it's almost like AI, the line between AI and machine learning was getting blurred, right? So even things that were machine learning, they just keep saying it was AI because AI has got more of a backing behind it. But I mean, it's strange that maybe it's being left behind maybe in, in the kind of like buzzwordy sense of the rather than that AI is. So, I mean, usually when I ask this question, I, I would ask, you know, if, you, if you're throwing it in, into the chair, what would you what would you want to replace it with? But I guess really, again, here is just a case of this is just a term that's being overused now. So we'd, you'd rather it just be scaled back a bit in terms of its usage and goes back to the core meaning of it, right? I think that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, what are you talking? What are the use cases? And be more specific rather than like, hey, let's talk in general. Same thing with, with AI, right? Yeah. I think that's fair. I think, yeah, I mean, AI has been handed a sentence as well before for the same reason. So I think it's fair to throw machine learning in <laughs> in this case as well. And uh, yeah, like I say, if there's anyone who's out there who'd like to come and fight for machine learning and break it back out, then you're more than willing to come on the podcast. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks, of course, to Keith for joining me. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com, on Twitter at Fintech Futures, and of course on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service to get notified about future episodes. Thanks as well to Arama for editing this podcast. You can check them out at arama.tv. As always, thank you very much for your support. I will, of course, leave all of those links in the description below for you to click on if you're interested in attending the awards or submitting any nominations for our future awards. And we'll see you again for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye.